Lord, we love you today. We're so thankful for your love for us. God, thank you that when we were running from you, that you were chasing us down. Thank you that you're faster than we are. God, thank you that you forget what we've done and you remember what you did. Thank you, Lord. God, there are people here today who need a touch from you. There are people here today that need answers from you. God, there are people here today with problems the size of mountains. And Lord, they've believed that it's over. And I pray, Holy Spirit, I pray you would speak into their spirit today that it's not over. It's just about ready to get started. God, we thank you for the hope. That hope has a name. That name is Jesus. We sing to the King today because you are our everything. Thank you for this time and the freedom and the place in our country and your grace to worship you. We prayed in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. Packed house today. Hope y'all all wore deodorant. Y'all can sit down. We got a full house. This is incredible. We don't like empty seats. Uh, we don't like empty seats. Man, we're so glad you're here. We are in Nehemiah. This is week two, and if it's your first time to be here, man, you picked a great, great week. And uh, if someone invited you and you're checking out church, checking out Momentum, checking out God, Man, we're glad that you're here, and we just know that you're here because uh, we expect every week that people who don't want anything to do with God will come and that they'll understand how much God loves them and that that love will change them. And so that's, that's who we are. That's why we exist, uh, leading people to passionately follow Jesus. And so wherever you are on your spiritual journey, um, just know that you're loved. So we're glad that you're here. What an incredible week we had, and i got to start out. And I'm really going to split today's message in two. And so um, I'm going to do that because I'm going to take a few minutes just to let you know what God is doing. Like if people don't know what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. Right. And so I want to share with you what God is doing. Um, Well, this was an incredible week. And uh, on Friday, we had uh, an just incredible time serving Gulf Breeze High School's football team right across the street. We partnered. Yeah, we partnered. Thanks for those of you that clap. I like, you know, I like it when you respond. You know, it helps me preach shorter. Some of y'all just woke up. Welcome, welcome. No, we partnered with St. Anne's across the street. I appreciate their generosity. They have a kitchen and we don't. And so not yet. But uh, they allowed us to go in there and, and this whole season to partner and to have that awesome privilege and awesome responsibility to go in there and love on those guys. And we love our community. We really believe that's a differential um, um, factor um, in our hearts is to, to make sure that we serve and we serve and we serve and, 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 and we want to serve and we look to serve and we want to serve in this community. We don't want to just ask people to come. We want to go. Are you with me? I want to go to where they are. And so that's really important to us. You're seeing some pictures here. We had people on their way to Andrews Institute, my buddy Jeremy, and other people, students on their way to school coming in. Uh, here you see Pastor Ray. He had the privilege um, to speak uh, to Navarre and uh, spoke to Navarre. And uh, they ate, Alfie uh, feeds them. And then he got up, got to speak to them. And I got to speak to Gulf Breeze. And I'm not saying that's why they both won. I'm, I'm, just, uh, I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just teasing. 
I'm just teasing. It's good to laugh in church, right? Isn't it good? It's good to laugh in church. So we're so thankful for that. And then if that wasn't enough, our heart was so filled. If that wasn't enough, and I thank every volunteer, just period, whether you were there or you're here today, whatever campus, we have volunteers at Blackwater, at Blackwater, our prison campus, that serve and make coffee for other inmates. Isn't that awesome? Anyone can serve. Not everyone can be great, but everyone can serve. And then you find out Jesus said you won't be great unless you serve. And so that just puts it all into perspective. And so, uh, man, I thank you for everyone that serves. But this was incredible. Then Saturday, I keep saying incredible. Let me say it one more time, incredible. This was incredible. Saturday, that was yesterday, right? Yesterday. You ever have a day like that where you're like, what? was yesterday. <laughs> Who am I? Where am I? Um, yesterday was amazing. We went to the prison and we raised money. And so many of you gave and you gave sacrificially. And we raised a lot of money, almost almost a hundred grand that we raised to go in there to partner with God behind bars to go in and to make Jesus famous. To make him famous. And I want to tell you something as we were signing in, it was visiting hours. And we're signing in and we're walking away and a couple, a couple reached out to me and she said, you're with Momentum Church. You're with God behind bars, aren't you? I said, yes, ma'am. And she teared up and she said, our son, his name's Adam. And he comes every Sunday night to your gatherings and it's helping him. Thank you. And she teared up. Her name's Diane. Her husband's name is Dawn. And, uh, and they told us about Adam. And so we went in there to baptize and couple other churches. We love churches, man. We're not, I, I want you to understand something. We love our church. We love momentum, but we understand we're just one piece of the body, that there is this one body thing going on. There is this one uh, church, this capital C church, and Jesus is the deal, and Jesus is the name. That's, that's for real. Mark that one down, and so we just want to lift him up, and other pastors were there to baptize, and uh, man, we baptized together collectively over 35 inmates, um, over 35 inmates yesterday. And that's holy, man. We had church. We had revival. If you ever heard that word before, like, like God just did some crazy stuff. Sometimes we don't see happen in church. And uh, what was amazing, what was absolutely uh, mind-blowing was that one of the guys spoke up and said, man, I've been here. Or he said, I've been in prison for 40 years. I got saved in prison. Here's his story. He said, I got saved in prison. I got baptized in prison. I deserve to be in prison. He said, but man, I met Jesus in prison. And he said, my prayer has been that other men, there's 2,000 inmates, 400 lifers, 1,600 will be put back into Escambia and Santa Rosa County. That's home. And so we want to reach them in there. want to reach them in there. want to get a head start. And so uh, this guy said, my prayer has been that we would be able to see baptisms. And yesterday was the very first baptism ever in that prison. Isn't that awesome? That is amazing, man. And men cried and men weeped and big men, man. We baptized them and we pulled them up. And, and, and the story I want to tell you, um, the last guy I baptized, it was so incredibly holy. This, this, guy, um, this guy was in there. And uh, not for good reasons. And he came in alpha dog. And a lot of men in this prison fear him. And he was standing in the water. There's a jacuzzi. We had a jacuzzi for Jesus going on, man. It wasn't very big. I was like, you got to do a squat, bro. And I ain't lying. Yes, it was more like, bro, you got to do a squat. And I'm not lying. And uh, he, uh, 
We baptized him. When he came up out of the water, it was different than most of them. Sometimes God saves the best for last. Be careful not to throw your fork away. Dessert might just be around the corner. All the other men nervously were getting out. It was something significant for them. And, and, and I just felt like, man, I'm just I'm going to hug him with everything I got. And this dude's a big, strong guy, man. I look like a little teddy bear, you know, in my daughter's arms. And I reach over, I hug this guy, squeeze him real big. And, uh, and he hugs me back. And afterwards, one of the inmates came up and said, you need to know that guy's story. You need to know that guy's story. He was a gang leader, top head. Not a good guy. And he got saved in Blackwater, in our campus. And the guards, the guards are noticing how different he is. Isn't that holy? I could go on. I got to stop there. I got a message to preach. My heart is full. Is your heart full today? Man, I hope you're ready. Who's, any believers in the house today? We got any believers in the house? Let's go. Go with me to Nehemiah. Let's get into some leadership. I love this book. There's no miracles in the book of Nehemiah. Um, Like you see water turn into wine. There is this incredible thing that happens. But this book. This book of leadership and vision and vision casting and teamwork. Like if you work at a business, you want to listen to this. You might be here not believing God. This will help you in your business life. This will help you in your spiritual life. This book is a book on leadership. And Nehemiah, Nehemiah, just a uh, just a leader. He's an influencer. He's the king's cupbearer. That means he had a friend relationship, a place of high trust. He was an influencer. It means if he wasn't paying attention to the wine, if one glass got by him, he didn't sip it, the king could die. That wasn't good. So the king trusted him with everything. He trusted, like, yeah, yeah. In other words, here's something good, ATD, attention to details. That helps all of us, whether we're in elementary, middle school, high school, play football, go to college, have a job, are a father, are a mother, husband, a wife, a spouse. It's about the details. And the devil's not in the details. God's in the details. We gave Satan credit far too long. God's in the details. And so here we find that Nehemiah, he gets in the details. And he's paying attention. Paying attention. And we read last week the first couple of verses. What we found out real quick, brief review, highlights. What we found out is this. We found out that Nehemiah heard. And he heard because he asked the right person the right question. That's a part of leadership is to make sure you ask the right people the right questions. Leaders ask questions. Leaders are hungry. Leaders want to know more. Leaders don't think they've arrived. They've said, man, I haven't arrived. Forget all those things. I'm moving forward. Yesterday ended last night. I'm moving forward. I can't change the past, but I'm looking into the bright future. And that's what leaders do. And that's what Nehemiah did. And so I'm thankful for Nehemiah's leadership and what he taught us. We learned last week, we saw in verse 1 through 3, that Nehemiah cared enough to ask. He cared enough to ask. Then we saw that he cared enough to weep in verse 4. What he heard was that his people who had been captured and brought back, what, what he found out is that his city was in ruins. For almost 100 years, his people had been okay with it. It was just... This is how it was. And you have to understand that that the city's walls were their protection. It was their everything. It was their children's safety. For a hundred years, there was a remnant, a small group of God's chosen people. See, God's people is his portion. 
What do you value the most? Is it a car, a house, a boat, a spouse, Mickey Mouse? What do you value the most? What do you value the most? Family. Family matters. You know what God values most? His family. He val- our, his children is his portion. And so Nehemiah hears that almost 100 years, his, the people have gone back, and they're just okay with the walls being broken down. In other words, they got used to it. Mediocrity. It's just the way it is. It's the way it is. It's the way my marriage will always be. She sleeps there, and I sleep here. It's the way it is. We're always going to be poor. Grandparents were poor. Mom, dad were poor. We're just going to be poor. It's the way it is. We're just okay with it. And see, leaders rise above it. Leaders say, I'm not okay with that because that's not okay. That's what makes a person a leader is they not only see, but then they take action. And Nehemiah is going to take action. And the way he takes action is he, he prepares. And he prepares by, number one, prayer. And then he prepares later, we'll talk about, by planning. He prepares by planning. So we see him caring enough to ask. We see him caring enough to weep. And then we see him caring enough to pray. I want to break this down real quick. I asked you last week, what breaks your heart? What breaks your heart? I asked you that question. What breaks your heart? There's a link there to what God is wanting to do in your life. In other words, God's vision for you is connected to what breaks your heart. For Nehemiah, his heart was broken that his place was destroyed. More importantly, his people were complacent. And it broke his heart. So we pick up in verse 4. Nehemiah, let's read verse 4. Nehemiah verse 4. Here we go. When I heard this, I sat down and I wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps. Now notice he's not whining. He's winning. He's winning because he's praising God. He started with praise. Praise is not when I thank God for what he's done. Praise is when I remind God who he is. You ever praise your wife? If you don't, you ought to start. Honey, you're beautiful. You're gorgeous. Baby, you're a good cook. Baby, you, I'm telling you. Many women have, have been awesome, but baby, you excel them all. That's sunset done compared to your beauty. Are we tracking? You know, praise her. You know what happens when you praise your wife? You get affection. Hey, hey. Ain't nothing wrong with that. We just need to go home right now, right? So we just need to praise your wife. I know it's been three months, but <laughs> your food's not awful. <laughs> no, no. You know, that's, not, that's not the right way. When you praise God, you get God's affection. And so Nehemiah knows it. So Nehemiah starts with this praise. And he begins to say, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of unfailing love, and those who love him and obey him, listen to my prayer. It's okay to ask God to listen to your prayer. In fact, he's kind of telling them, like God, he's begging them, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day. When was the last time you were so burdened about something? You need God to move in such a way. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your friend's health. Maybe it's a relative's health. Someone just got diagnosed with cancer. Our next door neighbor told us about a friend of theirs in the military, young man, 40, very young got diagnosed with terminal cancer and it's just blown them all away see what do you do when life unravels on you and what you do will determine 
I believe it with all my heart. How do you respond? The title of the talk today is first priority. It's first priority. It's making prayer a first priority. He makes prayer a first priority. And he says this. He goes and he gets personal. He says, I confess that we've sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We've sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through his servant Moses. That was Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The books of the law, the books of Moshe, um, the books, the Torah. And, and so we've gotten away from your word. We've ignored your word. We've paid attention to everything else. Forgive us, God. And he goes on and he says, verse 8, please remember what you told your servant Moses. Now notice here that this leader knew the word of God. You can't remind God what he said he would do if you don't know what he said he would do. And if you know what he said he would do, then we believe it, we receive it, and we live like the checks in the mail. Are you with me? He says this, please remember, but he said, Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you're unfaithful to me, I will scatter you. Second Chronicles 7. I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even. Or we could say it the other way around. Even then. See, some of us need an even then moment. In other words, like an even now. Like, Tim, my bills are so high and my income's so low. Tim, I don't have a job and the job search is moving slow. Tim, my kids... They're, they're, they're in like the first week or two of school, and they're already struggling. <laughs> you're a college student. You're like, what class did I sign up for, right? You're a newlywed. You're a month in. The honeymoon's over, and you're like, what? <laughs> wherever you find yourself, wherever you find yourself, whatever that problem may be, you remember the size of your God, not the size of your problem. And you remember that even now, God can turn it around. Even now, God can turn it around. I'm going to stop right there and tell a story. We had our, na- our, our friends of ours, they moved here from Missouri, sold everything, moved here to start a church that they would later start in about a year and a half, two years. Is that right, babe? So they served here. God moved them here. They're our missionaries. We support them. They're church planters. We love churches. We support churches all over. Church plants, we love them. And so they're in Destin at Impact Life Church doing amazing work for God. God's moving like crazy over there. They live in a place none of you would, would live in. I wouldn't want to live in it. They live in a place, and yet they've been faithful to God. A couple months ago, he was doing work. He can do anything in a house. He can fix it up. It's amazing. Build a house, whatever. And he's doing some work for this guy, and the guy went to pay him. He said, don't pay me. God will pay me. God will bless me more than you can. I want to bless you because give, and it will be given unto you. Press down. Think ice cream. Think more in the bowl, more in the ice cream cone. You heard me say it before. I was like ice cream, right? So God says when you give... You're going to get, and it's better to give than to receive. You see, when you give, it boomerangs. So now here they are. Last week, $3,500 short of closing, which is this week. They don't have the money. They've saved. They've been great stewards. There's no way in the world outside of God they're going to come up in a week with $3,500 because they already paid what they can put to closing, and they're $3,500 short. Are you with me? Are you with me? You ever been there? You ever been where you're at zero? You're at ground zero? You ever been in a place where if God doesn't show up? I don't care if it's cancer or praying for a baby. You ever been in a place where you're desperate for God? Stephanie started feeling the Holy Spirit just 
give her some thoughts and impressions. And she said, we got to call Jessica. We got to go to her house. It was Friday, wasn't it? It was a day off. Wednesday. Okay, I got it right last gathering. <laughs> no perfect people out. Wednesday. So Wednesday, next thing I know, we're over there and we're praying with Jessica. Our kids are there. We're in the backyard and we're claiming this property. $3,500 short, and we're praying so loud outside. I'm a preacher, and I'm thinking, I know like four or five doors down, they can hear us. Like it was that bold. Let me choose that word. And we're going after it, we're praying. And one of us prayed, we're all praying, all believing. The Lord gave one of us an impression to pray God, we're not just going to believe you for $3,500, we're going to believe you for thousands more. We're going to believe you for thousands more, God. They need more than that because they're still going to be on zero when they get the 3500 and they need some groceries, God. So do what you can do. Well, about 10 o'clock that night, we got a little FaceTime call with tears and laughter because as James that night was serving in his church, getting ready for Sunday, playing with the band, getting ready, preparing for Sunday, the man that he had blessed walked into that building the very day we prayed. Very day some of us had fasted. He walked into that building with an eight thousand dollar check and handed it to him. Yeah. I want to tell you this. I'm gonna we're gonna go through it and be done. I, he said, Tim, realtors were saying, Well, how are you gonna do it? Like we're headed, like closing next week. Like this isn't gonna happen. And he said, People don't understand how powerful God is, that God can do anything. That my God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing he can do. Nothing he can't do. That's our God. That's what Nehemiah knew. And so he prays. He says this, verse 10. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. Oh, Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayer of those of us who delight in honoring you. Do you delight in honoring God? Or do you delight in just yourself? When we get to a place where we delight in honoring God, God will delight in honoring you. Someone once said, make much of Jesus and Jesus will make much of you. But I don't know about you. I struggle sometimes. My flesh gets in the way. Are you with me? My flesh struggles sometimes. But he says, Lord, now verse 11, Lord, please, one more time, hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. And please, here it is, grant me success by making the king favorable to me. Someone say favor's not fair. See, when you get the very same day, someone shows up with a $8,000 check, and all you needed was 3500 and that was a mountain, and God said, I see that mountain. That's nothing for me. I'm the Lord. I'm the creator of the mountains. I speak, and mountains move. That's favor. It's God's grace. We can't earn it. We can't obtain it. It's unmerited favor. And so he says, please grant me success today. What a great prayer for some of us to pray. You think your business might do this? You think your family might do that? God, give me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. And in those days, I was the king's cupbearer. I was the king's cupbearer. I want to break this down. Nehemiah, he responds with morning fasting and prayer. He releases praise, verse 5. First thing he does, when you pray, here's the secret, get this. When you pray, you praise him. You, you thank him for who he is. God, you are love. God, you are merciful. Your mercy endures forever. You are from everlasting to everlasting. God, you are patient. That is the entrance into prayer. See, when we praise, God pays attention. 
So what does Nehemiah do? He releases praise. Verse 5, verse 6a, first part of verse 6. He requests God's attention. He requests God's attention. Verse 6 and 7, we see that he repents personally. In other words, he gets right. And God is interested in us getting right before God is interested in doing what we need him to do. God starts from within. God moves from within. God works from within. God begins from within. So he repents personally. Later in verses 8 and 9 that we just read, He's reminding God of his word, and we find out that he reminds God of his promise. Listen, when you're going through life and life is coming at you, I mean, it's like love bug city. You know what I'm talking about? You just wax the car, you driving, and it's like, it's like popcorn. It's just hitting you, and life does that to you, and you're like, ah, ah, what in the world's going on? When that happens, what you need to do is find a praise Tie a knot to the character of God and hang on. You find a praise. Your finances are low, Philippians 4.19. But my God will supply all my needs according to his riches. His riches in Christ Jesus. So it's not about your poverty, not about your lack. It's not about you not being able to get another job. It's about that you and I have a good, good father and we're loved by him. And you just, re- you just begin to praise, release that praise. You pump prayer with praise. We helped a lady in our office the other day. Her car ran out of gas. And my dad, I learned some stuff. He's like, pump the gas. All right, now crank it. Now let it off. All right, now do it. He's, he's walking her through like these pump dynamics I never knew about. You know, but that's, that's, what it, you know, that's what praise does. It pumps the prayer. And what happened is your giant, your problem, your mountain shrinks. And your God, all of a sudden we realize how big he is. And so he reminds God of his promise. If you're here today and you don't feel loved, there's a promise in the Bible that God loves you and God will always love you and always hold you in his hand. In fact, your name's a tattoo on his hand. God has tattoos, all of our names. It's what scripture says. He reminds God of his promise. Then he reaffirms, he reaffirms their dependence. Here's a, pray, a prayer that I love to pray every day. And I want to start the day in a posture of prayer. I heard it from the great pastor, Bill Hybels. Who prays and he taught me that that what he does as a pastor is he slips out of bed on his stomach and he wants his knees to be the first thing that hits the ground. So I I try to do that. And he says what it does is it sets my day and it gets me in a posture of prayer. And 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 then then from there you begin to pray. And one, one of these prayers I love to pray is, Lord, I surrender to your will. I'm dependent on your provision. What provision do you need from God today? Is it increased market share? Is it a child that's going crazy? What provision do you need today? I like to say that simple prayer, Lord, I surrender to your will. For me, it's easier to say, Lord, I need your provision. And I forget about surrendering to his will. We teach our kids, say, yes, daddy. We're still working on that. Yes, daddy. Yes, sir, daddy. Yes, yes, ma'am, mama. And then they can ask us any question. I want to make sure their heart's in the right place. It's called submission. Get that heart in the right place. And let's talk. And so when I start out, Lord, I surrender to your will. God sees that my heart is in submission to his will. And then I receive the thrill of a lifetime. Because then God does what he says he can do. Because he is who he says he is. 
So he reaffirms their dependence. Two more, three more. He reiterates his sincerity. Please, God. Like sometimes you just need to say, God, please. God's not sleeping. God's not sleeping. Sometimes God's waiting because we're not ready for what we're praying for. So he reiterates his sincerity. One more time, please, God. And then he requests success through God's favor. Here's what's interesting. From the time he heard the news to the time that he begins to move, it's a few verses, but it's four months. So wherever you are today, you need to, number one, pray. Number one, pray. That's the first thing you do. You pray. You make that your first response. What's your first response when life unravels? Do you call your best friend? You're not going to believe this. Who do you turn to? And my prayer for all of us is that, man, we'll leave today saying, you know what? We're going to turn to him. We're going to make God, we're going to make prayer to God our first response. If you got a problem, say, I got one. I got a problem. You got problems? Well, our first response ought to be, Lord. And instead of talking to God about our problem, we start off with talking to God about who God is. And say, Lord, I know. You see, God made the heavens and the earth from his mouth. And he gave, gave us creative power. That's why sometimes people can live up to how you speak over them. We were made in his image. Proverbs says we have the power of death and life in our tongue. So when we speak, it's powerful. What if you begin to speak God's name and you begin to say, God, I know this mountain is not anything because you're everything. And you begin to make your first response him and not it. You know what will happen? You'll see God do miracles on your behalf. And that's a life worth living. Will you? Will you do that today? Will you do that? Will you move from anxiety? Will you move from worry? Will you move from fear? Will you move out from anger? Will you move out from your temper and that being your first response to prayer? Will you do it? Say, well, Tim, I've been praying for a while. God heard you the first time. Don't tear down your mailbox. Check might just be in the mail. Don't give up on God. He's faithful. He's faithful. When our faithfulness intersects his, when our faith intersects his faithfulness, that's a sweet spot. That's where you want to live. With heads bowed and eyes closed. How many say, Tim, I got a problem. Tim, I definitely got a problem in, in my life going on. You say, I got a problem in my life. There's some things right now. Man, we want to get pregnant. Maybe that's where you're at. We're believing God for a baby. We've been married for 10 years. Hadn't happened. We've been married for whatever. My, my aunt was 47, I think. Something like that when she gave birth. That's crazy. God can do anything. Say, Tim, our business, we own a business. Our business, man, it, it might be good, but we want to go from good to great. We just have this vision We're not okay with what is. We're not okay with just mediocrity. We're not okay with just this. Maybe you play on a football team and you have a desire and a burden to reach those football players for Jesus and to see Jesus change a whole team, coaches included. Maybe you volunteer somewhere. You volunteer at a hospital and you see broken, hurting people all the time. 
And God's doing something inside of you. And he, he's stirring this holy discontent. You say, God's working on me. There's something in my life. Maybe it's a physical ailment. Maybe you're here. You have cancer. You have leukemia. Maybe, maybe something has been spoken over you. And today you just want to respond and give it to God. Or, or maybe you're here today and life is good. Life's really good, man. That's great. And you want to respond in praising him. We praise him in the good and the bad. Quickest way to get out of the bad is to praise him in the bad. That's, that's, that's the way. That's the way. You're here today and say, Tim, would you pray for me? There's definitely a mountain. There's definitely a problem. Maybe you have an addiction. Maybe one of your children has an addiction. You say, Tim, there is something that only God can change. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Would you hold that hand up all over the room? There's hands everywhere. Hands everywhere. All right, thank you. You put them down. Who else? Who else needs to get honest? Don't harden, harden not your heart. When the Lord's speaking to you, don't harden your heart. God's speaking to you. God's convicting you. God's reaching out to you. He's extending grace to you. Don't harden your heart. Be proud. God resists the proud. Who else? Who else say, Tim? I'll raise my hand. I see the hand. Thank you. I see the hand. I, thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. I see the hand. Thank you. Yes, Lord. Who else? Hold it up high. I see that hand. Thank you. I see another hand. I see a hand in the back. Thank you. I see another hand in the back. That's right. We got to get to the point where we're not okay with what's not okay. And with what breaks God's heart, breaks my heart. If your marriage breaks God's heart, it ought to break your heart. If it doesn't break your heart, you're not right. If there's something, man, there, there's, there's something that's stirring inside of you and you're like, that's not right. That's where God brings us. And awakens us to his vision. See, God has a vision for every person in this room. And, and you might be here what is, but God sees what can be, what could be, what should be. You have a destiny. You have a purpose. And the creator knows your purpose. And your best life ever is when you realize your purpose and you step into it. Now, would you be willing to be broken and weep and even fast? For what's breaking your heart? Could you be that bold? Say, God, I'm going to declare a fast. Could you do that? See, that's where it started for him. This church was built on prayer. It wasn't built on finances. It was built on prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Some things only come by prayer and fasting. Well, I can't forgive him. I, can't, I don't even want to forgive. Some things come by prayer and fasting. When was the last time you got broken before God and you wept? You weren't playing church anymore. And you were so broken that you didn't care if you ate that day. Because all you wanted to do was pray. Because God had to hear where you are. Anyone there today? Anyone that desperate? Oh, I believe you are. I speak over in the name of Jesus. I believe and I speak today prophetically. I speak today in faith that chains today are being broken. That there are strongholds that the enemies had you in. They're being broken. I'm speaking today. There are some of you, your marriages have sucked for a long time. They've been bad, real bad. And you both know it. You only talk about it. That God's going to resurrect your marriage. And the, the rest of your days will be the best of your days. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? If you raise your hand in a minute, I'm going to encourage you to come down and pray. Why, Tim? Because we're going to have prayer partners moving right now. We're going to have prayer partners down front. We call them prayer partners because they want to partner with you in prayer. They want to get underneath that load with you so it's not so heavy on you. 
And they want to pray with you to Jesus so it will lighten the load. We cast our cares on him because he cares for us. In just a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come pray. But I believe in a great crowd this size. I believe that there are many people here today that you're doing life without Jesus. And Jesus is not only better, Jesus is only. Jesus is better. There is a better way. But Jesus is the only way. And your religion can't do it. You trying to get to God is like you trying to jump across the Grand Canyon. You might get fired in someone else, but you're going to fall fast, far. And that's what sin did. Sin created a chasm, and it separated us from God. And in his great love, God said, no, 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 I'm going after him. And so God made a way for you and I to be forgiven, to be clean, to be made brand new. I like brand new. I like brand new. We like brand new, don't we? We're a brand new society. That's a brand new car. We got a brand new. We like brand new. Don't you want to be made brand new? Heaven likes brand new because that's all Jesus knows is brand new. And he can make you brand new. And your sin, your sin and my sin, we're all sinners. Say, I'm a good person. Well, we're made in his goodness. There's goodness of God inside of us because we're made in his likeness. But the truth is we're sinners. Sin entered the world and sin infected everyone. That's why your little child throws a little tamper, a temper tantrum. Who taught him that? Mom and daddy, no. no. Who, who taught him that? Sin. That's why you lied when you were little kids. Why I lied. When, when, when I was in trouble, I lied. Mm-mm. What you talking about? I, I didn't do it. I didn't steal that candy bar. Chocolate all over my face. Sin infected everyone. And the good news is, There's healing in the name of Jesus. If you will today bow your heart to him, if you will call on his name, if you will place your trust in what Jesus did on the cross, that he died on the cross, he gave his blood for you and me because his blood is the only thing that could set us free, that could wash us, cleanse our sins. He doesn't cover, he cleanses, he moves it away. That's the blood of Jesus. It's the only way, the only thing that God will accept. And if you try to get to heaven any other way than the cross, you're not gonna make it. And on that rock I stand. And on that stage I stand. Would you give your life to Jesus with heads bowed and eyes closed all over this room? You're watching online today. Today's the day of salvation. You need Jesus. Would you receive him? I want to encourage you to pray with me on the count of three. Would you pray with me? Everyone, church, we pray it as a family. Because we never love to end a gathering without giving people an opportunity, a place in their faith in Jesus. So we'll pray this together. You're not praying through me. I'm a sinner. You're praying to him. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me in spite of my sin. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for bleeding for me, for giving your life for me. I receive it. I receive your life and all that comes with it. Thank you for rising again. I give you my life. I accept your life. Now teach me how to live. In Jesus' name, with heads bowed and eyes closed, here's how we're going to do it. If you did that, heaven's throwing a party. They're cheering. I'm telling you, man, it's crazy. One day we'll get to see it. It's like me trying to describe the prison yesterday. I can't do a good job. 
I can't even begin to imagine what heaven's doing right now because some of you, you walked across the line of faith. Today, some of you crossed the line. You moved from death to life. And heaven's celebrating because they're all about brand new. If that's you today, on the count of three, no one looking around. We just want to, we want to clap for you and celebrate with you. If you did that, would you raise your hand? One, two, three. Holy Spirit, give him courage. Hold it up. That's right. That's right. Hold it up high. So proud of you. Hold it up high. Who else? I'm so proud of you. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. This is how we end church. We end with an invitation. If you need to respond to what God has done in your heart today, come. Just as you are. God, that's last, hour, last night. No, no, just come as you are. God takes you just as you are. And that's the great thing about God. He takes you just as you are. So right now, I want to invite you to move. We have prayer partners. There's some of you. You need to get desperate. You need to pray. There's something in your way. And God's waiting on you. God's waiting on you to call on his name. People are coming. That's right. There are more people coming. There are people right now. The leaders are stepping out first. They always do. There are people you're like, oh, I don't know. I'm in the middle of the road. Just step on out. Step on out. They'll forgive you. If you step on them, they'll forgive you. There are couples. Yes. I just declare today we're going to have more empty chairs than full chairs. I believe today there are couples. You need to come forward right here. God is waiting to heal your marriage. You need to step out. You need some forgiveness. Maybe mom, dad, you're next to your next to your child. Your relationship isn't right. You need to step out and make it right. There are people here today. You need God to move. That's right. Keep coming. So proud of you. Keep coming. We we it's been a it's been a long week. We waited too long to get here and just come to church and leave quickly. We need God to do what God can do. Who else? Come on. Who else? God's working on your heart. There's something in your life. That's right. I just feel there's something about to break. Who else? Who else? That's right. I see you coming. I see you guys coming. Who else? Yes, Lord. Who else? Say, I need to pray. Who else? I see you. That's right. Who else? Maybe it's a health problem. You've been diagnosed with cancer. They say it's incurable. Man, why wouldn't you want to come and pray? Don't stay there. Come down front. Come on. Who else? Maybe you're an addict. Maybe you're an addict. Maybe you need to step into who Jesus is and let Jesus set you free and realize that you're not what you've done. You are what he's done. You're forgiven. You can be set free. That's right. Come on. I see you. Come on. Now, listen, if you gave your life to Christ today and you prayed that prayer and you gave your heart to him, would you meet me down front? I'm going to ask you to be bold today, man. We're just people of courage. We're just people of courage. We're just people of courage. If you gave your life to Jesus today, would you come meet me down front? I'm going to won't embarrass you. I want to give you a gift real quick. You can go back to your seat. Gift that we have. Whether you raised your hand or not, you gave your life to Christ. Come on down front. Let me give you a gift. God is at work. God is moving. Thank you, Lord. We're just going to hang here for a minute. Someone needs a breakthrough today. Someone needs God to do what only God can do. You who are down front, please don't run away. Stay as long as you need to. Stay and pray. Stay and pray as long as you need to. Stay and pray. But church, can we just give the Lord a hand for what he's done today and how God has moved in hearts?
Can we do that?